Hi there. This is Jamie Shannon for Sante Magazine, reaching some of the top casual and upscale restaurants worldwide. This Sante Magazine review for December highlights what you may have missed on Sante Magazine. And at the end of this introduction, we will feature our cover story, The Feast of the Seven Fishes, by Chef Rick Orlando, read to you so that you can enjoy it while traveling. This year has been an excellent one for Sante Magazine. We consistently delivered quality monthly editions by some of the best writers in the industry. We ran our second consecutive wine and spirits competition, successfully celebrating some of the best beverages in the industry. And we doubled our readership, now reaching over 200,000 readers. We are now introducing two new columns this month to keep content fresh and contemporary. This month's cover article is the start of our column, Eating the Neighborhood, by Chef Rick. Rick is legendary and is an institution in the Hudson Valley, north of New York City, where he co-owned and operated New World Home Cooking Company. It was a beloved community hub and gathering restaurant for the Hudson Valley. He's won too many awards to count, including two victories on Chopped, beating Bobby Flay, and he won numerous Albany Times awards, plus Best Hudson Valley Chef. Rick now uh, takes people on experience Sicily tours, does pop-up events all over the Hudson Valley capital region of New York, and owns and operates Rick Orlando's Best, a line of hot sauces. Continuing with his weekly column, Roger Morris delivers on the weekly dozen reporting on the top trends in wine. Roger reinvigorates his May I Quote You column in which he interviews key people in the industry. This month, Roger interviews Brian Friedman, who just published a new and important book that will make a great holiday gift for anyone interested in wine and how global warming can change the wine and spirits we drink. It's called Crushed, How a Changing Climate Has Altered the Way We Drink. Roger is loved among wine writers and has a robust following. He writes about wine, food, and travel for the world of fine wines, drinks business, Meninger's Wine Business International, Wine Enthusiasts, Sante Magazine, and other publications in the U.S. and Europe. You will discover this at the top of the month, but remember, we publish content throughout the month. Stay tuned for even more exciting news about Sante Magazine as we rule out some of the great new projects for 2023. If you don't already, please subscribe to our newsletter. You can select how often you want to receive our news, which makes sure you keep up to date. And now, let's listen to The Feast of the Seven Fishes by Chef Rick Orlando. MatchingDonors.com is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that links organ donors with people in desperate need of kidneys and other transplants. And now you don't need to donate a kidney to save a life. You can donate your boat, car, or real estate. Visit MatchingDonors.com. And now, let's listen to The Feast of the Seven Fishes, read by Chef Rick Orlando. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Orlando, and welcome to Sante Magazine. I'm going to tell you about the Feast of the Seven Fishes, but we're going to do it in one dish. But first, let me tell you a story about it. As I get older, the holidays evolve. They're more about memories and keeping them alive and creating memories for the next generation. My earliest holiday kitchen memories were of my grandmother, or my nonny, Millie Crisco, my mother, Roe, and her twin sister, Joe, 
cranking out pots and plates and platters of seafood for the incredible Christmas Eve Seven Fishes dinner. The visual of these three very round Italian-American women donning ruffly aprons over their flowery dresses in that small 1960s modern kitchen could be a Gattuso painting. The aroma of boiling bacala, steaming shellfish, frying shrimp and flounder, and simmering crab sauce on the electric stove turned the air into an intoxicating haze. My olfactory memories are the strongest I have by far. The Catholic Feast of the Seven Fishes, contrived by Italian-Americans to represent the seven sacraments, also celebrated their relative affluence they acquired living in the New World. It's evolved into a, one of America's great Christmas Eve food traditions, especially for us Italian-Americans living in the Northeast. And this is where it all began. The eating fish on Christmas Eve is a tradition in Italy. The seven fishes is definitely a distinctly American thing. Growing up in New Haven on Long Island Sound, we were swimming in Italian-Americans and fresh seafood. You can smell the sweet aroma of frying seafood and simmering crabs and lobsters wafting from kitchen windows as you walk down the street. The seven-course extravaganza in my Nonny's house was not laid out on the table with any sort of food styling or timing. The eating began in the late afternoon as the men, my grandfather, who we called Big Poppy, his cousins Toby and Foxy Frank, and all my uncles arrived after work. They were all cleaned up, dressed in suits. They smelled of aqua velva and cigarette smoke. They poured themselves homemade wine from green jugs, beer from quart bottles, and shots of Galliano as they smoked and nibbled on stinky chunks of provolone and olives while they waited for the arrival of multiple plates of seafood from the women in the kitchen. Nonny barked orders to my mother and Aunt Joe with her raspy, short-winded voice all day. They bickered and argued, but they still managed to pump out the goods. As each pan was completed, its contents were plattered up and set on the tables. I was quick to learn that I had better get mine before it got devoured by the men. This was especially true of the fried frutta damare. Glistening calamari, smelts, scallops, shrimp, and flounder, they seemed to vanish as soon as the brown paper towel lined platters hit the table. Then there was a seafood salad, lemony and oily with calamari and octopus and scongeli, tossed with onions and lots of celery and mint, and that was usually the first dish completed and was on the table all day. Bowls of steamed mussels and olive oil and garlic hit the table with frequency. Pie tins of baked stuffed quahog clams hot from the oven appeared every half hour or so. These dishes constituted the extended cocktail hour. They were eaten off paper plates, standing up in the kitchen with the women or on the screen porch with the men. Around seven o'clock, we'd finally gather and sit at the table for the main dishes. The oval table with its little tacky Christmas plastic tablecloth was extended with folding card tables at either end to accommodate the crowd. Braised bacala with potatoes and olives lobster tails baked in lemony garlic butter and spaghetti with long simmering crab sauce were served family style but it was all about the crab sauce the crab sauce was the most anticipated tradition it was the dish that was made only once a year and it was the one you cannot get in restaurants in my family the crab sauce is made from crabs netted from the quinnipiac river right down the hill from nani's house earlier in the summer we'd work in teams one of us would drag a chicken neck tied onto a long string through the muddy grass. As the neck came into view between the clumps of sod, the fat crabs would creep behind it in pursuit. One quick swoop of the net, 
and there was a crab or two to add to the bucket. We would catch between 20 and 30 crabs in an afternoon, and when we got home, the crabs were quickly blanched, chilled, wrapped in wax paper, and put in the freezer to be revived on Christmas Eve for their special holiday-only sauce. The crabs were submerged and slowly cooked in babbling tomato sauce for hours. We didn't even care about getting the scant nibbles of meat from them. We would just suck the juices from the claws and belly, getting the stinging sauce all over our little cheeks and hands. After dinner, the tables were cleared. The men returned to the screen porch, smoked more, played pinochle, and they would eat nuts and fruit. The dining room table was once again loaded, but this time with the tins and platters of hundreds of Christmas cookies made by the aunts, cousins, and neighbors. Swapping trays of Christmas cookies was a crazy ritual, almost like a competition. My mother would always quietly comment on whose engineettes came better. We kids, now loaded up with sugary sweets, ran wild around the small house in anticipation of Santa Claus. The women loaded seafood leftovers on paper plates and wrapped them in foil for the neighbors and friends to take home. They were stacked on the table on the screen porch, where it was cool enough for safekeeping until the non-Catholic friends and neighbors came to get their plate. In the words of Nani, to waste is such a sin. From all this personal history, I've designed a deep and delicious Zupa recipe that captures the essence of the crab sauce, but now you can enjoy the seven fishes without having to cook seven courses all day long. Although, starting with a round of oysters on the half shell is always a great idea. The crab and shrimp infused tomato sauce captures all the flavors of my memory. This Zupa was a Christmas Eve tradition at my restaurants for over 25 years, and it was enjoyed by all denominations, humanists and atheists alike. So now to the recipe for the Seven Fishes Zupa de Pesh. This will serve about six people. For the seafood, you need about a half a dozen blue shell crabs. You can get them alive and kicking if you have a source, or use frozen because they're fine. They're going in the stock. You need about a half a pound of crab meat. And frankly, I'm a fan of the less expensive claw meat. It's perfectly fine for this. And I think it has a sweeter flavor. You need one pound of clean calamari, the tentacles intact, and the tubes cut into half inch thick rings. Don't cut them too thin because as they cook, they curl up and shrink. You need a dozen large shrimp peeled into vein and save those peels for the stock. And I'm going to insist that you try your best to buy American shrimp or at least Gulf shrimp and wild, not farm raised. You need a dozen medium uh, dry pack ski scallops. You can use a 20 to 30 per pound. Take off the adductor muscle. About 18 to 24 little neck clams scrubbed. You need two dozen mussels for the stock and two dozen mussels for the finishing dish. Scrub them and debeard them well and get about a pound and a half of firm fish filet. You don't have to break the bank on halibut. Alaskan cod, hake, pollock, or even flounder will work. And cut it into big chunks. And now we'll make the stock. So for the stock, you need a little extra virgin olive oil, the blanched crabs and the shrimp shells and the mussels. And if you can get a smallish fish carcass, fine, if not, don't worry, but it does add a little depth of flavor. Chop up one medium onion, a stick of celery, a six ounce can of tomato paste, 20 ounce can of uh, plum tomatoes and juice, you can squish them by hand, a couple of cups of dry white wine, a quart of water, and two fresh bay leaves. And let me give you a hint on bay leaves. 
when you go into the supermarket in the produce section, there are little plastic packets of herbs. Among them is almost always bay leaves. Buy the fresh bay leaves, bring them home, put them in a Ziploc bag and store them in your freezer. Once you start using fresh bay leaves, you'll realize why bay leaves are so beautiful. So now let's make the stock. Bring a pot of salted water to a rolling boil. Drop in the crabs and cook for three to four minutes to kill them. Remove them from the pot, plunge them into a bowl and run your tap water on them to stop the cooking. When the water's run over a few minutes and they're cool to the touch, they're ready. Obviously, if you're using frozen blue crabs, you can skip this step. Now use the scissors and snip off the face. That's the eyes and the mouth. Sounds gross, but you want to get it off there. Pull off the apron off the bottom, which is a little flap that it uses to cover its butt. Now pull off the back and remove the dead man's fingers or gills. These are parallel sets of grayish slender fingers that taper to a point. Google it if you're not sure. They're not toxic as rumored in the old days of yore, but any impurities in the crab's watery environment will be collected here. And besides, I find that they add a little pissy flavor to the broth, so get rid of them. Now use a heavy knife and cut the crabs in half. Now, in a heavy pot, Drizzle in a little olive oil to coat the bottom of the base of the pot. When it's hot to almost smoking, add the crabs and the reserved shrimp peels and season with a two finger pinch of salt. Allow those crabs and shrimp shells to sizzle in the oil. They're gonna smell great, right? Stir them as needed so they don't burn, but keep cooking them until all the sweet aromas are released and the shrimp shells are bright pink. Stir and scrape that bottom of the pan. Now lower the heat to medium. Add the onions and cook until they're soft but not brown. Now add the tomato paste and fry it in really well. It's really important to fry in your tomato paste to get the sweetness of the tomatoes to pop. Once the tomato paste and onions and shrimp shells and crab are all fried together, add your white wine, crank it up and bring it to a boil. Cook at a brisk boil for about three or four minutes until it reduces by about a third. Now dump in the mussels, the fish carcass if you're using it, the plum tomatoes and the bay leaves. Add the water and bring it all to a boil and then turn it down to a simmer. Let it simmer for at least an hour to infuse that crab flavor, adding more water as you need it. Don't let it get too dry. If it wants to cook longer, let it cook longer. Taste it. It's gonna taste sweet. It's gonna smell like the sea and the sweetness of the crab, okay? When it's done, let it cool a bit and strain it squeezing the juices out from the crab. And don't forget, you can make this a day or two in advance and store it in the fridge, but you can even do it weeks or months in advance and freeze it. It'll work just as well. Now, once you have your stock, we're going to make the sauce. And here's what you need for the sauce. More extra virgin olive oil, one small onion diced, two cloves of garlic sliced, two cans of good quality crushed tomatoes, the stock from above, a little crushed pepper, a nice fistful of Italian parsley, and salt to taste. Okay? Great. So now, the day of your dinner, you got this beautiful stock. We're going to build this sauce. We're going to be able to do this whole thing in an hour. So in a cold pot with a tight-fitting lid, add the olive oil and the onions. Turn the heat to medium, add a two-finger pinch of salt, and cook those onions so they're shiny but not brown. Add the garlic and continue to cook it for another two minutes, but don't let it brown. Let it get a little golden around the edge, but not brown, not even quite amber. 
If the pan's too hot, add a splash of water to slow the cooking to keep the garlic and onions from browning. Now add the tomatoes and the stock and bring it all to a boil. At this point, you can reduce the heat to a simmer. You can add the crab meat and the fish chunks and let it gently simmer. The fish is not going to overcook. It's going to kind of melt into the sauce and the crab meat's just going to add more crab flavor. Okay, now let's put the dish together. If you're making pasta, put your pasta water on, bring it to a boil, and drop your spaghetti because this is only going to take about seven minutes. The crab and fish fillet are already in there, so now we're going to make sure that we remember the cardinal rule of cooking combined seafood. Cook everything in layers and put them in with the best possible timing. The clams take the longest to cook, then the scallops and shrimp, then the mussels, and finally the squid. I urge you to respect your seafood. Are you ready? Okay. If your sauce is at a medium boil, which it should be, you're ready, your pasta's cooking, now let's go. Drop the clams into the sauce, okay? In about four minutes, let me just say in exactly four minutes, the clams should just be starting to open. Don't wait for them all to open. Here's one of my mantras, anticipate the opening of the clams. If half are open, the other half are going to open soon. Open the lid. Now, drop in your shrimp and scallops and give a stir. Cook for two minutes more covered, just till it comes back to a boil, and you're ready to add the mussels. Dump in the mussels and cover it again, and cook for two more minutes. It should be boiling again, and the mussel should just be opening. If not, let it go a couple minutes, but when you see those mussels just starting to open, you're just about ready to add the calamari. Bring it to a rolling boil, drop in the calamari, cook for exactly one minute and turn it off. Add a fistful of parsley and cover it tightly and let it all gently steam for three to five minutes in the pot with the heat off with the lid on. Now you can ladle it over pasta or you can just put it in big bowls with plenty of bread. I love to serve something we call oleo santo on the side and I'm gonna give you a quick recipe. Olio Santa was from Puglia, Calabria area. It's called oil of the saints. We call it hot skis at home. It's hot pepper oil. And it's almost like a confit. The best way to do this is to use a fresh green or red hot pepper. If you can't find a long stem pepper, you can use a jalapeno or two or a couple of Fresno chilies, but you want to split them the long way. Take off the stem and split them the long way. Remember this tip. The heat of the peppers does not live in the seeds. It lives in the ribs. The seeds have nothing to do with it. They're just starch. If you don't want it hot, make sure you scrape the ribs and all the white part out of the pepper because that's where the heat lives, okay? So you put that pepper, two or three or four or five, and put them in a small pot and cover them with extra virgin olive oil, a cup or more. Add a pinch of salt and bring it to a low simmer and let it simmer for 15 to 20 minutes, maybe a little longer, until the pepper is really soft, but not brown. When it's done, turn it off and just put it in a jar and allow that pepper to remain steeped in the oil. You can drizzle that over pasta to taste. You can dunk bread in it. You can put it on sandwiches. It's so great. We always have a jar on the back of the stove. That's why my kids used to call it the back of the stove hot ski sauce. Okay, so now, what wine would I recommend with this dish? Well, even though this is a serious seafood dish, it's got a lot of intense minerality and the sweetness of the tomatoes. So you can definitely do a red with this dish. 
You know, since I've been hosting Sicily tours for the last three or four years, I've really become enamored with Sicilian reds, especially with this kind of dish. A quality Etna Rosso DOC, which is a blend of uh, Nero Mescalese and Norello Capuccio, would be perfect. It's got some bright, tart fruit, but also that incredible Mount Etna minerality, which is perfect for seafood. Or a Sarasuola di Vittoria DOCG, which is Nero Davolo and Frappato, which again has some quick bracing fruit, but long, long, delicious minerality. They're both perfect with this type of tomato-based seafood dish. And the, the, the flavor, the minerality, the earthiness embraces the shellfish, and yet the wine is so clear, clean and light and light color that it won't overpower the delicate fish. Uh, the freshness brings out the fruitiness of the tomatoes and the sweetness of the crab, especially if it's served slightly cool. So don't be afraid to put it on the porch for an hour or put it in the refrigerator for 20 minutes. Serving it at about 55 to 60 degrees is delicious with this. If you prefer white, I'm going to suggest dead, dry, crisp white with lots of minerality. A well-made Southern Italian white like Gracante is one of my favorite. Cattarato is good. Frascati would be good. They would all stand to the side. They'd be cleansing and refreshing. Albarino, perfect. Peak Pool de Pinay or Quincy, beautiful. They all have just enough minerality and subtle fruit to quaff without getting in the way of the tomato. Sometimes if the white is too big, it kind of cancels the acidity of the tomato, so you got to be careful with that. But then again, you know, if you really can't decide, get a good Brut Rosé. Brut Rosé, to me, is perfect with this dish. Uh, one from Sonoma. I like Iron Horse a lot. Delicious with this. So enjoy your holiday. You don't have to be Catholic to have the seven fishes. Frankly, I have not been a practicing Catholic for 55 years, but I still love the traditions of holiday dishes. Whether they're Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, I don't care. I love them all. I cook them all and I celebrate them all because the food is the greatest memory. So enjoy Sante Magazine. Follow me on Sante or follow me everywhere else. I'm Chef Rick Orlando, no K and Rick, and have a great holiday season. We are conducting a short survey about what you want to see in this podcast. Please go to santemagazine.com forward slash podcast dash survey. All one word. There are only five questions and you don't have to sign in to answer them. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, The Sante Tasting Room. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You may also go to our written publications at SanteMagazine.com on Apple News or on Google News. Just search for Sante and subscribe there.